There we go. Now, how do I, let's see, we've got to reboot here. Um, all right, I'm going to remind you that uh, we started a sermon series a few weeks ago entitled 1.5. And uh, that's because there's some books in the Bible that only have uh, one chapter, and uh, we've been looking at some of those. Uh, today, we're going to look at the only uh, book of the Old Testament that has one chapter, and it is the book Obadiah. So everybody say Obadiah. It's kind of fun to say, Obadiah. So we're looking at Obadiah, and so we're going to jump into the book of Obadiah. And uh, Obadiah, here's, and so if you kind of go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then go to Matthew, and then you just kind of flip back a few uh, chapters there uh, that way. Otherwise, you can just kind of Google it, and it'll maybe pop up on your phone there. Obadiah, Obadiah, we're going to go with verse 1, uh, verse 1 and 2 of Obadiah. Here we go. Sorry, I'm just looking at the... Pick something's up with the uh, the overlay of the picture there, fellas. I don't know what the... Because <clears throat> I'm hoping that... I've got some maps that are going to be... Anyway, we'll see. Sorry. Um, okay, Yahoo. All right. I just saw that, and I was... Because i got a bunch of maps we're going to look at here, and we're going to start that in about 45 minutes. So here we go. Um, <clears throat> uh, the vision of Obadiah. This is what the sovereign Lord says to Edom. So who's Obadiah? Obadiah is an Old Testament. He's a prophet. And um, he is, uh, uh, the, God would communicate to his people through prophets. And so he would literally deliver a message uh, to a prophet. And then he would have that prophet uh, communicate uh, the word to his people. And in this case, it would be the, uh, the Israelites. And this is what he's telling them. He says, we have heard a message from the Lord, Obadiah says. Then he communicates this message. An envoy has sent to the nations to say, Rise and let us go against her for battle. The Israelites going against the nation of Edom in battle. Why? See, I will make you small among the nations. You will be utterly despised. The pride of your heart, and that was their location where they lived, has deceived you. The location where they lived is pretty impressive. You who live in the clefts of the rocks and make your home in the heights, you who say to yourself, who can bring me down to the ground, though you soar like eagles and make your nests among the stars, from there, I will bring you down, declares the Lord. Now, aren't you glad you came to church? Um, and so here is Obadiah, and he has just communicated to uh, the people of Edom, uh, beware, uh, God is going to destroy all of them. He's wiping out uh, the Edomites. He, he's, he's making them go away. There's going to be nothing left of the Edomites. Uh, they're going to go away. And so uh, let's conclude in prayer. No, just kidding. Um, uh, so, so who are the Edomites? Who are the Edomites? And why does God want to destroy them? Who are the Edomites? And why does God want to uh, destroy them? Well, let's start with where did the Edomites live? Where did they live? So we're going to pull a picture here, I'm hoping. And uh, here's a map. Okay, you've got the general area, right? You know where the Holy Lands is. As you know where the Persian Gulf is and the Red Sea and the Mediterranean Sea. Let's zoom in on that. We're going to zoom in one more time. Click. Okay, and then we're going to go one more time. We're going to click in here. And now, all right, here we go. Uh, this is the area in which 
the Edomites lived. You see that uh, little red box that's right there? Uh, that is specifically where the Edomites lived. Uh, they lived in an area uh, that was called the King's Highway. I think one more click. Uh, Petra, the King's Highway. That's where the Edomites, uh, that was kind of their capital area right there. We're going to find out later. Uh, called uh, Tietam and, and uh, so this is a uh, it's a rocky area it's mountainous area in there and uh, you, so here's where they lived here's where they lived uh, it said they live high by the eagles and the clefts of the, the walls of the canyons and things like this this is literally you can go into Jordan you can go to Jordan right now and you can go visit uh, where the Edomites lived and because where they lived is still on the highway of the kings. One more picture here, I think. And that's what it looks like when you're on uh, the highway of the kings through these canyon walls. One more here. And uh, maybe you recognize that one from a movie uh, way back when I was younger. And the movie was, anybody, anybody, anybody? Indiana Jones. You remember that from Indiana Jones? That's actually, there we go. Now this is uh, an area called Petra on the Highway of the Kings. And all of that that was carved out in those rockways through there uh, was carved out by the Edomites. That's where the Edomites lived was in that valley. Okay, so uh, that's where they lived. But who are the Edomites? And why does God want us to, who are the Edomites? Well, here we go. One more picture. Uh, this is the first of about 20. Um, and so here down here, you see this little box around a place called Ur. That's uh, Ur, Ur. That's uh, on the map, it's called Ur. Now, if you read through the book of Genesis, maybe you remember uh, that the, uh, the Bible goes like this. The Bible goes like this. The Bible goes, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and he put the fruit, uh, uh, the tree of knowledge in the, in the, the garden, and says, don't eat of that. But they ate of that. And so uh, then God removes them from the Garden of Eden, right? And so mankind begins to grow and thrive and prosper and, and on earth, right? But then, uh, after a long period of time, then God says, uh, I really desired to have a relationship like I had originally with Adam and Eve in the Garden, but that relationship was broken. I still want to reach out to mankind and have a relationship uh, with mankind. And so he surveyed the earth and he found a guy named Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. And he goes to Abraham and he says, I want to start with you, Abraham, and from you and your descendants, I'm going to send a savior into the world. You're going to uh, prosper and you're going to have, you're going to grow a great nation. And he says, but the first thing I want you to do is I want you to leave Ur, PowerPoint, oh my goodness, this is horrible. No, this is, this is tragic. Some, this happened last week. I don't get it. Can, will you do me a favor? Um, can, are we watching, the, sorry, this happened last week. Are we watching those slides on PowerPoint or are we watching those on ProPresenter? Can we pull them, I think if we pull them out of ProPresenter and put them back in PowerPoint, somehow when we load that program into that other program, because the arrow is pointing in the completely wrong direction. It's, it's supposed to be flipped over, and you're not supposed to be able to see that white box or anything like that. And so what I'm going to tell you is that uh, they leave Ur over here uh, in this area. And then uh, remember God tells, uh, he tells Adam, I want you to go over to the land, or Abraham tells Abraham to go over to the land of Canaan, right? And so while they're over there in Canaan, uh, then they begin to... Uh, uh, to grow and prosper. How does that start off? Or maybe you remember that God goes to Abraham and he says to them, um, uh, I want you to be my, uh, you're going to be my people. Now here's, what, here's something else that God communicates. He says, listen, Abraham, look at, look at all the people that are out there. They're all over the place. 
He says, I'm coming to you because you and your people are going to be different. You're going to be different. You're going to live different than the way that the rest of the people live. I'm entering into a covenant, a blood covenant with you. And they had to make sacrifices. And, and he says, and, and now you're going to be living in a whole different way from the rest of the people. You're going to be living for me, my way, and you're going to be my people. And they're, they're, they'll get an opportunity later on when I send the Savior and things like that. And he says, but so he sends Abraham from Ur. He says, I want you to go over there and then I want to establish you as a great nation and a great people over there. And then maybe you remember that Abraham... Uh, and Sarah, they have their, their son. Remember, they, they have their son, Isaac, right? And uh, that was a traumatic thing. You read about that in the, in the book of Genesis. And then Isaac, he grows up. And then Isaac has, they, they have many kids. All these guys have many kids. But there's the bloodline that's going to lead uh, to Jesus later as the Messiah. But maybe you remember that Isaac, Isaac has uh, twin boys, right? And their names were Jacob and Esau, Jacob and Esau. And maybe you remember the crazy story there that um, uh, it says that Esau was born first. He was born first of the twins. But he says when he came out that Jacob had him by the ankle. He literally says he was holding his ankle when he came out. And that um, the thing there was that because Esau was the firstborn son of the nation, then he was going to get all of the inheritance from uh, his dad, Isaac, that came down from Abraham. Uh, but uh, Jacob later on, maybe you remember the story that Jacob, he deceits deceives uh, Esau and Isaac, and he steals the inheritance from himself. And then that's kind of a scary deal, and he has to kind of run and hide because his brother want, Esau wants to kill him. He, he's like, no. And then, but then Esau did this. Oh, Esau did. Oh, do you remember what Esau did? God goes to Abraham and says, your descendants are going to be different than the other people. You're going to worship me in a different way from them. You're going to be connected to me in a different way than them, and that you're going to be my people. And he says, one of the rules is, you guys, my people, are not allowed to marry any of the Canaanites when you get over into Canaan because they don't know me. They don't live for me. They have pagan uh, gods. They have pagan uh, rituals. They sacrifice their babies with blood. And they, uh, they do detestable things. And I want anything to do with that kind of the Sodom and Gomorrah type uh, picture there. And he says, you don't link yourself to that at all. Don't do that. Esau went and did that. Esau went and he married a Canaanite uh, woman. And then he began to grow and prosper his family. Uh, Esau uh, did. Meanwhile, Jacob, he also had a family that, that he started and, and birthed and things like that. But, but then one of Esau's descendants, one of Esau's descendants, you read about in, in, in Genesis, one of Esau's descendants, he went over and he left where he was living and he made his way over into to Jacob's area and some of the people that were Esau's descendants, they went over and they raped, they raped one of Jacob's family members. And then maybe you remember this crazy story. They, they couldn't have that and so they declared they were going to go out and they were going to kill and attack all of, uh, all of Esau's family. And, and they said, no, no, please don't kill us. They said, we'll, we'll become like you guys. We'll become, uh, uh, we'll, and so what was the important thing in order to become a, a Jew or an Israelite? Had to be circumcised, okay? And so they said, so Jacob's family and army said, Esau's family and army said, okay, uh, all the, you know, firstborn adult men, you guys be circumcised, and then you can be a part of our clan, right? And so they all got circumcised. But the Bible says, while they were still recovering from that, they attacked them all and killed them. And so 
fighting there, right? Fighting, fighting's going on there, okay? And, and so there's this bad blood between uh, Jacob's family and, and Esau's family. But watch this. Uh, then, then, then Jacob, then Jacob, he has many sons. He has 12 sons, right? And they become the 12 tribes of Israel. And one of Jacob's sons, one of Jacob's sons is Joseph. Joseph, Joseph. Remember Joseph in the, in the coat of many colors? And then do you remember it was Joseph that got sold into slavery? And so Joseph ends up getting moved over uh, to Egypt, got moved over uh, to Egypt. Meanwhile, Jacob, so maybe you remember that Joseph goes over into, uh, into uh, but there's a famine in Egypt. He becomes a high-ranking official in Egypt. And while he is there, there's a famine that takes place over in the land of Canaan. And, and God had told Joseph it was going to happen. And so he told the, the Egyptians, make sure you store up lots of grain. There's going to be seven years of good crops and then seven years of famine. And so he had lots of grain while, he, while Joseph had, was over there in Egypt. Meanwhile, then his brothers that sold him into slavery, they make their way down from the land of Canaan down into Egypt. And then they end up, and then the, the, the whole, Jacob's whole family ends up moving down to Egypt. But then there came a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. And so the, all of the descendants of Jacob are now enslaved in Egypt. But all of the descendants of Esau are still up there in the land of Canaan and the surrounding area. And for the 400 years that, uh, that the descendants of Jacob are enslaved in, in Egypt, uh, the descendants of Esau are up there growing and prospering as a, a big nation that's up in, in the other area up there. But then maybe you remember that God sends Moses to take Jacob's people, the, the nation of Israel, the descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and, and he says, Moses, you're going to, take them out of Egypt and you're going to take them through the Red Sea and I want you to take them over to the cross the Jordan River and go into the land of Canaan uh, while, you're, while you're over there. Uh, and so what did they do? Because the, the highway, um, the, what they call it? The highway of the something. And kings, the highway of the kings. Because the highway of the kings was a shortcut from Egypt back into uh, the land of Canaan, they sent messengers on, Moses sent messengers on ahead and said, uh, our nation is leaving Egypt, we're going to make our way into Canaan, and we want to take the king's highway to go back there, uh, because this is the shortcut, flat land, and they, they even said to them, you read about the book of Numbers, he says, oh, we're going to be coming back through there, and uh, we're not going to take anything from you, we're not going to steal anything from you, we're not going to take your food, but we're going to ask you let us have our livestock, we're going to be able to drink water as they wait, and we're going to pay you for the water as we go through, and the Edomites looked at the descendants of Jacob and the Israelites, and they said, no, no, you can't come through here. And if you try to come through here, and because they had the strategic military positioning of being up on top of that valley, if they tried to go through that valley, they'd drop a rock on their head and they're done. So they couldn't go through there. And so they had to, they had to take the long way around. More bad blood, more bad blood between uh, the Edomites and the Israelites, right? More bad blood there, more bad blood. Well, okay, so... Maybe you, you recall that uh, this is long, long story, long story. And so maybe, maybe you recall, maybe you recall that um, uh, eventually uh, the nation of Israel makes its way back into what we now call the Holy Land, right? The land of Canaan. And so next picture here. Should be a yellow box. Is there a yellow, yellow box? 
And so while they moved into that area with the yellow box right there, when they moved into that area, then it was what we call a united kingdom. Now, before they ever, before the nation, when the nation of Israel was, first they were led by Moses, right? And then they went in the wilderness, and then they make their way into the land of Canaan. And if you read through the book of Judges, you discover they did not have a king, but they were led by judges. They were charismatic personality, people like Samson and, and, uh, and people like Samuel that would rise up and listen to God. And, and then here's what they communicated to all the nation of Israel. It said, uh, you don't want a king, you just want to be led by God. God wants to be your leader. People, God wants to be your leader. You don't need any other leaders, God wants to be your leader. And then the people of Israel, they looked around and, and they said, huh, well if you look at the other nations, if you pay attention to the other all the other nations have a king, why don't we have a king? They get a king, we want a king. And then they literally communicate, li- read, it, read it, you can read it, literally says, you don't want a king, A king is going to rule over you. He's going to put burdens on you. He's going to tax you and tax you and tax you. You don't want a king. You just want God to be your leader. They said, we want a king. So God says, fine, I'll give you a king. And he gave him King Saul. After King Saul came King David. After King David came King Solomon. And that's what we call the period of the United Kingdom. But then Solomon was the last king of the United Kingdom. And then uh, Solomon had sons, many sons. Next picture. And then what takes place is that uh, there's two sons of Solomon that begin to war against uh, each other. Uh, And they're jockeying for position as who's going to be the rightful heir of the throne of the United Kingdom. And they can't get it settled. And so the nation becomes divided into the northern half of Israel with its capital city in Samaria and its southern uh, capital, its Jerusalem, the nation of Israel. And they are a divided kingdom. Well, here's what happens. Um, Then in the year 722... God allows the Assyrians, now who would all the Assyrians be and who would they be descendants? They're all back to Edom, right? He allows the Assyrians to come in and wipe out the northern nation of Israel and wipe out their northern uh, capital of Samaria and decimates the thing and brings it all down to the ground. It's nothing but dust and powder and it all goes away. But God allows the, uh, the nation of Israel to live for another 135 years or so in the southern nation where Jerusalem, 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 the same Jerusalem you can go to today. That was the capital city when even when it was the United Kingdom, and that is where King Solomon built the temple for the first time. David wanted to build it. God said no. Solomon built the temple. You can go to what is called the Temple Mount today. It's in Jerusalem. You can go there and you can see that. We're going to talk more about that next week. And uh, but so here was the here was the, God allowed God allowed then the Babylonians the Babylonians, to come in to the southern, and they wiped out all that was left, all that was left of the nation of Israel. And when uh, the Babylonians were coming in and wiping out that southern nation of Israel, uh, naturally, we'll call them the Jews that were living in that area, they wanted out of there. They wanted to escape. And so they began to run and flee. And one of the shortcuts to get out of the area was to go down the highway of the kings. But who lived in that area? The Edomites. And you think think that they were like, oh yeah, you're our cousins from way back in the day, Jacob and Esau. Come on in. We'll hide you. We'll protect you when the Babylonians come looking for you. That's not what they did. They said, 
here's our opportunity. They made their way into Jerusalem, and they said, huh, they ain't going to need this anymore, and they ain't going to need that anymore, they're out of here. And then as they were trying to make their way, they would capture them and deliver them back to the Babylonians. And, they, and, made, and now you remember that while they were enslaved by the Babylonians, that's when you read through the book of Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar, and, and so God was saving a remnant that would one day um, become, they would get to move back into Israel. And you know, but see, there's bad blood. So who are the Edomites? Who are the Edomites? The Edomites are the descendants of Esau. Now here's the thing. If you were to go to Jerusalem today and you would say, what is your ancestry? From where do you come? Oh, we go all the way back to our father Abraham through Jacob. He is the father of us. Did you know this? If you went back into the same Middle East and you were to ask all the other people that are, for the most part today, the Muslim world, and you were to say to good Muslim people, what is your ancestry? From where do you come? They would say, oh, we go all the way back to Abraham through our forefather Esau. And you wonder why they're shooting rockets back and forth in between Israel and That's Same deal. Same exact deal. Same exact deal. So who are the Edomites? Those are the Edomites. Those are the Edomites. They did not give them shelter or any of those kind of things. And um, is it lunchtime yet? Um, here we go. Uh, so, now, all we've done is answered the, uh, the pre-questions before the sermon gets started of uh, uh, oh, where, did the, where did the Edomites live and, and, uh, and, and who are the Edomites. So now that we've got those things covered, we'll go through the rest of the book. But first, we, we were asking this question. So God just declared through Obadiah, I'm going to destroy you. How is he going to, what's that going to look like? How is he going to destroy how is he going to destroy them? And so that's where the story begins to unfold. In verses 5 through 8, we're going to read that. It says, If thieves came to you... Anybody ever been robbed? I've had, like, car stereo stolen out of my car. We, when we live in California, our house got broken into. And, and so I was so grateful the night before. They'd always leave a note. We're coming, you know. <laughs> if thieves came to you, if robbers in the night... Oh, what a disaster awaits you. Would they not steal only as much as they wanted? Yeah, I want that. I'm taking that too. I want that. I'm taking that too. If grape pickers came to you, would they not leave a few grapes? No, I didn't leave anything. I'm taking it all. And they're going to come unannounced. And so how is God going to destroy them? It is going to be a surprise attack. They're not even going to know it's coming. They're going to simply show up, and uh, I think you're going to have to punch that thing three times. This, i got to fix this problem. This is a problem that is going to be fixed from now on. And so, All right, verse 6. He says, I'm go- how's he going to destroy them? It's going to be a surprise attack. Verse 6. Uh, but how Esau will be ransacked, his hidden treasure pillaged. So you're not going to be able to hide anything when they come to destroy you. He's coming after all of it. You're going to be destroyed completely, completely, completely. Sometimes sometimes people think, well, if I just take a little bit of this something, something here, and I hide it really, really well uh, over here, uh, then when the enemy comes, they will not know that it's here, and we kind of want to tuck some of those things away. But no, God says when we come to destroy the Edomites, it's all going away. It's all going to be revealed. Nothing is going to be hidden. We are wiping it out. Verse 7, it says, All your allies will force you to the border. 
Hmm, even your friends. Your friends will deceive and overpower you. Those who eat your bread will set a trap for you, but you will not detect it. They're going to be wiped out in such a way that it's by people that they know. People that they knew. People that they knew. You ever, you ever have dinner with some people and you think that they're your friends and you find out later on they're really not your friends? You ever been stabbed in the back by people? He says even the people that know them are going to show up and they're going to wipe them out. People in the community would rise up against them. It goes on in verse 8. How are they going to be uh, destroyed? How are they going to be destroyed? And verse 8 says, In that day, declares the Lord, Will I not destroy the wise men of Edom, men of understanding in the mountains of Esau, your warriors? Then he, then he says this, O Taman will be terrified, and everyone in Esau's mountains will be cut down in the slaughter. Taman, what's Taman? Taman was the name of the capital city of uh, of uh, Edom. And coincidentally, you read through the, the genealogy, uh, Esau uh, had a grandson that was named Tatum. So maybe he named his, the capital city after his grandson. But, but here's the point I want to make in this. He says, In that day, declares the Lord, will I not destroy the wise men of Edom and even their warriors, the smartest and the sharpest ones, the smartest and the sharpest ones, uh, usually when you, you listen to the ones that declare themselves to be the smartest and the sharpest ones, uh, sometimes you, they fall, you find out, huh, maybe they weren't as smart as you think they, they are. And maybe when they were standing up declaring, we are the Edomites and we have built an impenetrable force uh, in these walls and these mountains, no one could ever uh, destroy uh, us. They were humiliatingly destroyed because they thought this can never happen to us. How is God going to destroy them? Humiliatingly, humiliatingly. Now, here's the next question. Why? Okay, so, so we know who they are and we know that their, their end is complete, but why is it? Why did God really just kind of go out there? Is it really because they didn't let the people pass through? Or, you know, what's going on? What's behind all of that? Why did God destroy them? Why is God going to destroy them? Verse 10 through 14. I'll read these things. Okay, here we go. Because of the violence against your brother Jacob, you will be covered with shame. You will be destroyed forever. You know what ultimately that means? When he puts the Jacob and Esau contrast into place here, that means that they turned away from God. Why are the Edomites going to be destroyed? Because ultimately the Edomites are the ones through Esau that turned away from God. God went to Abraham. He says, I love you. I care about you. There is a better way for you and your nation and your people to live. And I want you to follow my instruction. I want you to live for me. And they said, no. Because they turned from God. That's why God is going to destroy them. Verse 11. On the day you, you stood aloof while strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. When the Babylonians came in uh, to take all of the people out of uh, Jerusalem, you just stood by and watched and saw what was going on. And so what's that mean? They ignored the suffering of others. They were there and they knew who these people were and they saw the pain that they were going through and they were like, nope, we're out. 
In fact, maybe we can even take advantage of the situation. And so God was going to and ultimately did destroy them. They ignored the sufferings of others. Verse 12. You should not look down on your brother in the day of his misfortune, nor rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their destruction, nor boast so much in the day of their trouble. You should not march through the gates of my people, that would be the Jews in Jerusalem, in the, in the day of their disaster, nor look down on them in their calamity in the day of their disaster, nor seize their wealth in the day of their disaster. Why is God going to destroy them? They were self-centered and arrogant. Self-centered and arrogant. Maybe, maybe we can take advantage of this situation. And because they were self-centered and arrogant, God is going to, and so God is going to destroy the self-centered and the arrogant. He is going to, uh, he's going to destroy those who are self-centered. He is going to destroy those who turn from God. There might be a theme here, verse 14. He says, you should not wait at the crossroads to cut down their fugitives. They were running for their lives and you were there and you were ready to cut them down. Nor hand over their survivors in the day of trouble. They took advantage of them when they were weak. They were weak. They saw, hey, they're weak. This is our chance to pounce. We can wipe them out. So why did God destroy them? That's why God destroyed them. So, Ultimately, what happened to the nation of Judah, if Judah was taken over by the Babylonians, eventually the Assyrians came in and, and destroyed the, uh, the and maybe you remember, uh, uh, they re- were able to rebuild the wall and the temple, but here's what, here's what Obadiah communicates to them in verse 17 to 21. What's going to happen to Judah? God was going to save them. But on Mount Zion, Mount Zion is always the reference to Jerusalem or the city of David, Judah. He says, but on Mount Zion will be deliverance. It will be holy, and the house of Jacob will possess its inheritance. The house of Jacob will be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame. The house of Esau will be stubble, and they will set it on fire and consume it. There will be no survivors from the house of Esau. The Lord has spoken. God made good on that promise. Uh, we get to go today and uh, figuratively and get on an airplane and go over and you can still make your way down uh, the highway of the kings and you can see all of those places, but no Edomites there. Nobody's living there anymore. It was a beautiful place. They had, as it would rain, the water would pour down the walls of the cabin, canyons and, and they had cisterns and it was a beautiful tropical place. They had, they had vegetation and gardens and it's not anymore. Not anymore. Verse 21 concludes. Deliverers will go up on Mount Zion to govern the mountains of Esau. And the kingdom will be the Lord's. The kingdom will be the Lord's. So, in conclusion, what can we learn from Obadiah? What can we learn from Obadiah? I think we can learn this. Number one, write this down. You can trust God. His righteousness will prevail. You can trust God. His righteousness 
will prevail. Uh, we are just like them. We are just like them. Uh, we're just like Esau. Uh, we like to look around and see if there's any other options. Yeah, we know that Jesus says we should do it this way, but is there another way? Is there another option? Uh, there's, there's God, it looks much more enticing to do that than to do what God wants me to do. What God wants me to do means i got to have self-control. I don't get to indulge myself. I don't get to indulge my mind. I don't get to indulge my flesh. I don't get to do whatever I want, whenever I want. That looks very appealing for, to me to do what they got to do. Like, like, like Canaanites. Canaanites just seem to, to live their, their whole life just kind of without any charts or graphs or anything. They just get to go and do. And but you can trust God that God's way is always better and he's always going to win and he's always going to prevail and he's already defeated the enemy at the cross. Jesus has already defeated the enemy. God is going to win. You can trust God. What else can we learn from Obadiah? Number two. Human defenses are useless against God. Sometimes we think we can sneak a little something-something and kind of hold on to it and hide it. This, this, this is mine, and it's going to be with me, and, and God's not going to know about this. God has a way of showing up when we turn our life over to him, saying, uh, you mind if I take a little tour in your house? What's, what's behind that door? There, there yet, the box on top of the closet. Let's, let's open that up too and look, look in there. God wants us to fully turn ourselves over to him. His point number three is this. The kingdom will be the Lord's. The kingdom. This earth and everything in it ultimately belongs to God. Really, the only question that we need to ask ourselves this morning is this. Am I on Jacob's side? Or am I on Esau's side? Am I on God's side? Or am I on my own side? Do I live for the king of kings? Do I get to dwell in his house forever? Or do I live a little while here and be completely destroyed? That's the question that is for all of us today. Jesus says, I stand at the door and I knock, and if anyone will open uh, the door of their heart, Jesus wants to come in to be king and lord of who we are does not want us to reject him. He wants us to accept him to be the king and the ruler of our life. God wants us to be baptized into his church and into his kingdom and to be a part of his family forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And we all do well to not ignore that or to play that down because the house of the Lord will live forever. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord, or your Savior, if you've never been baptized into Him, that's a conversation I'd love to just sit down and have with you about what it means to give your life to Jesus. If you know Jesus, live for Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the many, many, many examples that you have given us throughout history and Scripture of who you are, Help us to live for you. 
we ask in Jesus' name, and amen.